It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight and indeed next week... We're celebrating the Blossnerin Irish Food Awards that take place every year in Dingle County, Kerry. To start off, we're heading north to meet Johnny McDowell, who is one half of Indie Food, this year's producer's champion. Staying north, we're going to talk to Carol Banahan of Carol's Stock Market. And then we're off to the kingdom to find out all about Dingle Sea Salt from Tom Leach and Mo McKeown. But before we hear from our guests, a reminder that you can make contact with me here at The Best Possible Taste by dropping me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So every year, food and drink producers in Ireland have an opportunity to vote for their producers' champion. This year, the accolade went to Johnny McDowell and Laura Bradley of Indie Food, an operator of two successful delis in Belfast and Comber. And when I was in Belfast in the summer, I met up with Johnny for a chat. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Johnny, delighted to be with you here in your premises on the Ormo Road in Belfast. What a cool outlet you have. Thanks very much, Sharon. It's delighted to have you up here for the first time. And yeah, this is this is sort of our latest venture for indie food. Um, the Ormo Road, as you may know, is a lovely spot for independent shops. So yes, we opened this just during lockdown and really made a focus in on the cheese. We would really harness into that. And that was always a great passion of mine. So we kind of call this the cheese edition. And yeah, it's lovely to be up here in South Belfast. We get a real mix of people, whether it's students who just love to cook or older people or lecturers or anybody. It's a really interesting time to be in Belfast. Well, let's go back to 2014, 2015, whenever we first spoke by phone and I did an interview with you because you had an online shop and it was all about promoting artisan products. The plan has changed a lot since then. So tell me about the journey from 2015. Yeah, it's taken a lot of adoption over time, Sharon, to be quite honest with you. Um, I remember just prior to that, um, before I went through my little uh, illness period, I'd been over to America and been looking at uh, various businesses there, and they'd all been online and selling wonderful, I'm going to say, artisanal produce. And I just really wanted to follow that model. I'd seen it in something different overseas and had a real passion for food myself, and especially our own produce in Ireland. You know, I'd been living overseas in different countries and realised how, how good they were in at honing in on their own produce and shouting about it. So I thought, yes, I'll take my money, I'll build a website and send little boxes out all around the world of wonderful Irish produce. But I soon realised there was nobody at the other end. And I started to panic, I think at about £5,000 worth of stock. Going, what am I going to do with this? Heck, I was in my parents' attic, panicking. Um, and I just decided to get a table and go to the farmer's market in Cumber, Cumber Farmer's Market, where I'm born and bred and the indie food shop is. So, yeah, that was a real, um, you know, eye-opener, just going out, selling produce, meeting customers, telling them the stories behind the artisans, telling them what I was about, and showing a face, I think, in Ireland where... You know, we do still like to do face-to-face. We need to trust people. We need to go and meet them. And it's always how I've been with the producers, whether, you know, making that relationship. I like to go and see them, whether it be in Cork or Waterford, Galway, Derry, you name it. I like to get out and see them. And that's important with my customers. I've realised as well it's about forming those relationships. So started doing the markets, picked up a few more pitches in and around Belfast and up in Ballycastle, Coleraine, travelled around and started to really specialise in cheese. Um... Mike Thompson, who makes that wonderful Young Buck cheese just down the road here in Newtonards, is a wonderful friend of mine and uh, he kind of helped me in the early days and encouraged me to pick up his cheese stall and take that out and about because he was getting a very busy man making cheese. So, yeah, I was more than delighted to learn from him and to go out there and, as he said, educate people in the produce, let them taste it, to talk to them about what it tastes like, what they compare it with. And that was like, music to my ears. That's what I love doing, talking about food. So that's easy. It's like your dreams come true, your hobby happening. So took the market stall and then a, 
a local businessman approached me about doing a little pop-up. He thought it might have been a good idea to open a little shop and have a permanent uh, place on the high street. So I'd done that and that started to go slowly, built that up. Um, and then I suppose that the next kind of iteration was we started, we had a back room there and there was a couple of girls, um, the edible flower, Erin and Joe, who just relocated back from London. And they were starting to do these supper clubs and they said, could we hire the back room of you and sort of talk about your produce and bring it all together and put 24 people in here a night. And that really started to, you know, grow, uh, grow the business and people were talking about it online. It got new customers through the door. At that same time, I met Laura, my business partner now, Laura Bradley. Uh, Laura was a great food blogger, you know, and really loved how she talked about food, whether it be where it came from, the ethics of farming, you know, she just had that real passion that I had and she was a really good customer. So she was working for James Nicholson Wine at the time. Um, I think that was about for seven years. But she said to me, she made like a maybe an off the cuff comment, if you can ever uh, afford me, it won't cost that much. I'd really like to work with you. So I had a look at it and maybe six months later, I got Laura into the business and yeah, she started to really drive us on. Um, that was the start of things, you know, really working that social media hard and really just, I suppose, I, the way I think of it, taking a bit of pressure off. It was like a problem shared all of a sudden and all of a sudden my mind was freed up to look at strategy and to look at the numbers more and to sort of keep that going. Um, and then we became partners, business partners, about a year later and again that just made perfect sense. I'm not a, again, not a precious person about money or anything like that or even the indie food I, I like I like working with good people and I like what I do so that made sense to give away half the business and to bring Laura in with me and then it really started to again pick up so we had enough capital then to open a bigger shop in Cumber get away from the the dangerous fire stairs that we were going up each day with all our produce and our customers were tentatively walking up during wet and windy days so we moved to the, the, the bigger spot which we call uh, in the HQ and it's still there Laura's down there today actually and it's wonderful it's a great place again you can go and it's got all the produce from all around Ireland there and it's also got a wonderful space for doing the supper clubs like we really did enjoy that and doing food demonstrations so that's we just signed a new lease for that that was five years ago uh, but during lockdown um, I had been shielding and not being able to get out and about and I suppose my mind was whirling what, what could I do next and um, I'm always sort of, I'm going to say the dreamer in the partnership, I always have these mad capped ideas and been probably pressurising Laura for years about different ideas and to be fair we always said two green ticks it has to be for something to work, not one tick and a, and a red X, you know, we make the decisions together. So I had suggested to come up and look here at the Ormo Road. Um, again, I've been doing markets in the Bullet Hotel down in Belfast and there's a lovely flower stall beside me called Memento who are our next door neighbours here. And Gary, who's the owner there, said we'd be going back through the years, have a look at the shop next to us on the Ormo Road. You do so well there and we could work together. There's wonderful other uh, independent businesses there. So it came up, uh, basically I think we went into lockdown in March, that came up in May. Uh, myself and Laura came up onto the road. I just watched a couple of times, watched the people, the types of people, the footfall. And we loved the building, as you can see down below us, Sharon. It's like an old, it's an old Belfast brick, three terraced house, which has been converted. Lovely big open window. But we didn't want to repeat Cumber either. So we took the keys and we turned it into the cheese edition. Um, so again, from my travels over, especially in London, Edinburgh, Glasgow, looking at cheese shops, a lot of them had, you know, made cheese the focus. And cheese looks beautiful in its natural form. So we air conditioned the shop rather than just put in big industrial fridges. And we let the cheese be the artwork in the shop and have the cheese out in display, as, you, as I would have had at my market stall, or if you go to any markets in France, you see the cheese, you talk to the, the cheesemonger. So that was the journey into here in the Ormo, and it, it, timing can be everything, and it's worked out really, really well. Obviously, we were allowed to open throughout lockdown, being essential retail. Um, we found that, yeah, people just loved the, the story we were telling. They loved the quality of the produce. They were getting into home cooking again, cooking with a family, talking about ingredients. So it really fitted into what we were doing and what, what we wanted to show off here. So that was, that was fantastic. So that's still going very strong. We've got a wonderful team here now. All our team are able to gain to talk about the produce. They know 
you know, when the different suppliers come in the door, the different artisans that they can chat with them about their products and find out the latest thing. So that has worked really well. And then the next edition, <laughs> um, again, it's when I take it back to the cheese stall and I said I had the shield at the start of lockdown, I met, I met, I'd met a guy called Davide Tani, uh, a Sardinian cheesemaker over in East Belfast. Again, he had followed his heart, his love, followed a girl back to Northern Ireland around eight years ago. But he had started to make a little bit of mozzarella, stracciatella, burrata, ricotta over in his basement, over in uh, Stormont. So I had sampled these and he brought it into indie food, but he was having a lot of difficulties with various regulations and that. So he had never got the chance to, to grow the business. So he said, could I have a wee bit of work? And I said, I've got the perfect job for you. Um, we're still allowed to do our market cheese stall you want to learn about Irish cheese a bit more different varieties of cheeses so why don't you take that on and then I'll join you and I can come out of lockdown so we've done that and so for the last two years we've been sharing the the cheese stall and getting to know each other we formed a really good relationship we have both that passion for food cooking and especially cheese and I've been going again just before lockdown over to the Artisan School of Food uh, just outside Worksop in England to learn about how to make cheese and being started off on that journey but with Covid and things stopping it didn't quite happen but Davide had this wonderful talent and skill about doing hand stretched Italian cheeses which are obviously you know it's great for cash flow compared to maybe something more mature which I had thought about making and putting up on our shelves to, um, to bring the form so Yes, we took on, I'm going to say, in September last year, almost nine months, we took on a, a new unit, a cheese-making facility over in East Belfast in the Portview Trade Centre. It's part of the Living Museums, and it's called the Banana Block. In there, you've got a mushroom farm, you've got a record shop, you've got a bagel maker, and you've got us making cheese. And the important part of it is it's all behind glass. So as you can see, the I'm going to say the artists at work. And it's a wonderful space. It's a 900-person sort of concert venue as well. Um, lovely cafe in it. And it's a really up-and-coming part of Belfast. Portview, before they put the banana block in, has always been known as a great place for artists in that in that part of Belfast. So it's a real up-and-coming community there. There's Boundary Brewing. There's Root & Branch Coffee Roasters. There's Bull House. I've just opened a, a wonderful craft beer bar just up the road. So it's an exciting time to be going in there. So we're hoping the time is good. And we started making the cheese there. Uh, we started that a couple of months back. And again, hopefully timing-wise, it's been quite good. Um, we found, again, a wonderful demand from uh, local, I'm going to say especially these high-end pizza makers. A lot of people went out during lockdown, bought a little uni oven, started to make their own sourdough bases, their tomato sauces, their wonderful charcuterie. But they, they all wanted to do them with local ingredients. And I guess, you know, we fit into that and in that we were able to supply the cheese to them. So, yeah, it's been really exciting, but we, again, we take the milk from Farmview Dairies where Davide as well has been making Kearney Blue for the last two years and learning a skill at making a blue cheese and we formed a great synergy with those guys about you know having a, a, a local milk supply and also a bit of distribution as well so again a really good synergy for us and an exciting time to be in the, the Irish cheese scene um, so onwards and upwards. Well before I ask you a bit more about the, the product range and how it has evolved and how you've sourced the products you and Laura, different skill sets and you've mentioned a few things there and people may not be aware that you're an accountant by trade which is always very handy in a business to have an in-house accountant and this life and this business and this job is very different to the job you had before. Oh, very much so. Sharon, I, I suppose when, when I do take a back way, I found accountancy. My grandfather and my father were both accountants. And it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. My mother and grandmother were great cooks and they taught me well as well. So I always had both sides sort of feeding into what I guess I am now. And my father, he gave up the accountancy quite late in his days, in his sort of mid-50s, and retired into a corner shop. A an old confectionist, tobacconist and news agent. So as a teenager I grew up in that shop, so I grew up with customer service, I grew up 
with the responsibility of opening up at five in the morning, stuffing newspapers, about working out margins, doing the accounts and doing the banking, anything like that. So all those were good skills. I went off to university uh, in Dundee, uh, done my accountancy qualifications, come back to Queen's here in Belfast and done my master's and then decided to follow a path down to Dublin where I worked for AIB in group finance. Followed that by going, coming back up to Belfast to Ulster Bank and on the Royal Bank of Scotland. But at that stage, it was beginning the question, kind of, you know, the big banks, you know, the bonuses, everything like that. But it was sort of heading for a recession at that stage. That was 2007. So I took a plunge. I was interested in microfinance. I'd been doing a bit of reading. So I took a voluntary position with uh, VSO, Voluntary Service Overseas, and they placed me in Vanuatu of all places. I thought, where in Africa is that? But it turned out to be a beautiful paradise in the South Pacific. So I went out there for two years. I was given a job working with a women's microfinance group, and that was all them doing sort of small savings, small loan, making baskets, going to the market to sell their produce, their fruit, their coconuts, their mangoes, and then taking that small amount back, but building up to get a loan to maybe, you know, get the family a sewing machine or a taxi. You know, it was amazing to see how these businesses had built up all over the different islands there were. So I got to travel to all these islands, watch these women's, women and their weekly groups, um, actually cooking and eating with each other as well. That was a whole part of it as well. And it's how I integrated well with them. I was able to talk to them about recipes from back home, share ideas, eat with them. And so that sort of stayed with me, you know, seeing how they were sort of self-sufficient in their own country with their own wonderful produce and even seasonally, which was really important. So I travelled back home then, um, <clears throat> went to work in West Africa with Goal. Um, an Irish humanitarian charity in Sierra Leone, but beginning wasn't feeling too good at the time, so I took a bit of illness and came back home and I was off my feet for a couple of years then. So it made me reflect on life at that stage and what did I really want to do. So as I said, I began to put together the thoughts in indie food. Um, as I said, I'd been staying with a friend over in New Jersey and Manhattan, and yeah, I'd begin to just look around myself, look online, and find out what I really wanted to do and. That's where the, the dream of indie food came up. So I began to, I guess, pull together spreadsheets like a true accountant would. And I remember asking Artie and Fallon down at the Blast of Heron, can you send me all your winners and your entrants? Can you send me the, 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 the files on those? And I began to put them together and pivot them and research them and contact them and ask them for some produce to come up. And that's where it all went back to. So. Um, having that relationship still with Blast is mighty important because they did, you know, open their doors to me, open with that information, and they didn't necessarily have to. And it was, I still remember that this day. And at the start, then the product range was mainly ambient because you didn't have refrigeration, but it has grown now, and the cheese side is a huge part of it, and it is very much all Ireland products. It is indeed all Ireland, and that's been an easy ethos for me and Laura to keep to, and we just kept that from day one. Sometimes there's been pressures where you've thought there's something that isn't quite filling in on our shelves, or we need to bring X, Y, and Z in. But you know what? It's been amazing over the journey that I've been on, the amount of new artisans that have popped up. And again, during lockdown, people have tried new things, and we're great travellers. The Irish, you know, we you know we travel overseas. We maybe bring a partner back, or we've tried a new restaurant or a new recipe and we wanted to give it a go so there's lots of diversity it's not just all about strawberry jam or marmalade over a big pot there's lots of interesting things going on in the Irish food scene we're, we're great innovators as well and great perfectionists when you see the quality of some of this produce it really does make you proud that it's out there but you're right it was all ambient at the start and that was again going back to my accountancy side risk-free and having maybe the six 12 month shelf life and products to be able to have time to sell them but I suppose yes when I started to take the shops on and I especially the market store you realize there was a real there was a real demand for cheese, a real gap in the market up here. I was really inspired by um, St George's Market. Um, there was a great cheese stall in there, and I, I remember that's the reason why I went to St George's Market back in the day. And it was a, a gentleman uh, from uh, Leitrim. I used to come up and only do Irish cheese, and that was my little that was my little journey every Saturday up to get different Irish cheeses, and that always sat with me. So yeah, I just really got into you know focusing in those Irish cheeses again, the wonderful variety on them, bringing them up here, um, 
bit more risky, yeah, because they're, you know, shorter shelf life, but I soon realised there was a demand for them. And so I got cutting, I started to learn how to look after them, um, how to mature them and how to, to wrap them and how to pair them better and do cheese classes. And so that has been the journey to a different sort of product range for us, yeah. And you've mentioned Blossner and there, and this year you are, you and Laura, Indie Food is the Blossner and food producers champion which means that basically all those producers that you've supported over the past few years said you know Johnny and Laura are brilliant and they're our producers champion how does that make you feel? Oh yeah it just made us so proud and it still does it's that's the ultimate accolade for us because that's you you know you're there as the custodian of their products um, and they're putting that faith in you that you can talk about it to sell it for them uh, to build that relationship and when we saw some of the the feedback that came from uh, the producer just meant the world to us and I think as Blasna Heron means to us as I said you know having that relationship back with Artie and Fallon back seven years ago them opening their door to me I imagine I remember arriving down there on their doorstep uh, down in Dingle the first year I went down in 2015 and you know, obviously there's buyers from all over Ireland uh, wanting to meet the different producers, but who is this guy from Northern Ireland making his way down here? Uh, he's driven all the way down just to talk to producers, but it was a great meeting place and I couldn't believe the, the buzz and the passion that was in the room and what Blast and the Heron sort of stood for. So it's been a pilgrimage every year going down and what's, watching Artie and Fallon grow that as well has been amazing, I have to say. So now, yes, me and Laura can't wait to get back down. We obviously haven't been down for a few years as everybody else. And it's going to be so exciting to see everybody. But as I said, really honoured to be able to pick up the award and I know Laura feels the same about it. It's fantastic. And in terms then of your vision for the business going forward, what are your hopes and dreams for Indie Food in the next five years? Oh, goodness. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say keep the show on the road. Um, when I look at times, that like we have come through difficult times and we're going through tough times here again, and that, there's no doubt. Indie, we've always been independent and a wee bit out there and we've always had different plates spinning on our fingers and different pies whether that's doing events or making cheese or having the online shop or doing home deliveries different shops but I think you don't want to over egg the pudding as well I think Indy's a special little place and if you do too much then it doesn't have the same effect the same would apply to if you try to you know overstock some of the produce like some of our producers are only able to make so much and that's why it is so special so you don't want to over over push that either so i think my i'm, I'm, I'm hopefully speaking for laura again we we've done so much with opening ormo here um 18 months ago opening the cheese edition or the, the cheese business with david nine months i suppose it's a time for um you know, strengthening those, uh, making sure we do things well. You, you don't want to over-promise and under-deliver. So I think that's mighty, mighty important to us. We've got great staff here as well. So we want to really look after them as well. And look, if something comes up on down the line with one of those guys, we're, we're happy there to support one of them. And that's what happened with me and Laura. So I keep that in mind as well. Um, you don't want to overextend and just, yeah, go with the flow. Have, let it happen organically. Well, listen, congratulations on all your success to date and in particular to you and Laura on the Producers' Champion Award from Blossner. And as you say, it is the ultimate accolade. And we look forward to celebrating with you properly in Dingle in October. Thanks very much, Sharon. It's a pleasure. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was in Belfast talking to Johnny McDowell of Indie Food who along with business partner Laura Bradley are this year's Blossnerin Producers Champion. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed that you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, we're going to talk to Mo and Tom from Dingle Sea Salt, but next up it's Carol Banahan, founder of Carol Stock Markets, producer of a range of stocks and broths. 
Let's talk to Carol to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Carol, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me. And your business is Carol's Stocks. Tell me how it all began and what the products are. Okay, well, thanks for having me, Sharon. Um, the business is about five years old um, now. And um, I started the business upon my return from Canada. So I was uh, born and raised in Ireland, but uh, went and lived in Canada for 29 years. And we came home in, myself and my husband came home in 2014. And we just decided to totally change our life and do something different. And I noticed that um, there was a gap in the market for stocks, healthy stocks and bone broths. I couldn't find any. And I actually love stock. I love making it. I love consuming it. I love cooking with it. So I thought I would start a business and create a line, a healthy line of all natural preservative free stocks and bone broths. So to anybody listening that uses stock in their cooking, they're probably using a stock cube and they're asking themselves, well, why would they get your stock and not use the stock cube? Well, uh, stock cube versus real traditional stock, they're, they're worlds apart. They really are because a stock cube will be loaded with salt and uh, preservatives and sugars as well. And they can cause uh, inflammation. Uh, in the body because of uh, the high salt content. So the opposite of that is a natural healthy stock where you just slowly simmer the bones with the vegetables and herbs. And that in fact is extremely healthy, nourishing and helps to decrease inflammation in the body and very, very soothing for your digestive system. So they are two totally different products under the same name. In terms then of production, what's involved in that? Do you have a facility up there in Derry? Yes, so um, I started my own manufacturing operation um, about three and a half years ago. And that was after spending time in a food innovation hub in Derry. And the folks at the Northwest Regional College helped me to develop the products, helped me to upscale production and um, increase the product line. So I had to go off out on my own. So I started up my own manufacturing business. So we built the premises ourselves. And it's a, it's a big job to take on because you need a lot of equipment, a lot of cooking and cooling equipment. And um, we have a great facility in an industrial estate in Derry. And you mentioned the product line there. So I would be thinking there's vegetable stock there's beef stock, there's chicken stock, and you do all of those, but you do a lot of other things in the product line also. Yeah, we, we decided to create some different types of broths that were not available anywhere in Ireland. And um, I was inspired on, on a, a trip to New York when I went to a, a bone broth cafe there, and I noticed they had a, a bone broth product that was um, a mixture of meats. And I absolutely loved it. So when I came back home to Ireland after my trip to New York, I created our, our cottage bone broth. So that's a mix of pork, chicken and turkey, all free range. And it's just a beautiful, versatile um, broth that has a lovely, uh, rich umami flavor. Um, very, very complex. And it, it, you can use it for almost anything. We also created a vegan mushroom broth. And we also have our biggest seller, which is a beef bone broth. And we have, of course, our turkey, which is um, just mostly seasonal at this point. Um, beef bone broth really had a moment there a few years ago. It was the go-to product whenever you were feeling ill. And to make it yourself at home, it, like it is a bit, of a, a bit of a task to do it. So it sounds like that's the sort of product that really took off a couple of years ago. It is, and, and our beef bone broth, well, all our bone broths are very popular, but the beef bone broth is particularly popular. That is our biggest seller by far, and um, it, it is, it's, it's a big seller because of its versatility. It can be used in cooking, but a lot of people use it primarily to sip on, you know, for the collagen content and to help soothe any kind of gut health issues they have or um, skin issues and things like that. And I noticed recently um, I have customers coming to me and they're saying that their medical practitioner um, are starting to, is starting to recommend 
they drink bone broth. So um, that's good to hear. Um, you know, there is no hard scientific evidence on that level, but it is good for someone who um, who's gut is giving them a little bit of trouble and they just want something nutritious and healthy uh, to sip on for comfort. And then these products can obviously be used in lots of other ways, like going into different recipes. You talked about the turkey one. That's probably to go with the, the juices from the turkey at Christmas to make a lovely, rich gravy. Yes, exactly. Like the turkey, the turkey is wonderful um, because we do cook our turkey bone broth for about 20 hours. So it's lovely and rich and it's fantastic. Actually, it's fantastic in soup. I use that one quite often in soup, even uh, as opposed to chicken broth and it's wonderful for making turkey gravy. Now we have a, a whole range of recipes um, that on our website that you can search by product. So if you're looking for what recipes I can make with mushroom broth, you just pull down the option for mushroom and you get a whole lot of different recipe ideas. I'm always fascinated too by the packaging of products. So tell us about the packaging for Carl Stocks. Well, the packaging, uh, I would say, is one of my biggest challenges, was one of my biggest challenges. And um, my packaging had to be, um, a lot of work was involved in the design of the packaging because it has to be able to hold the hot liquid when it's first poured in there. You have to be able to chill that down very, very quickly. And I have to be able to transport it as well, all around the country and, and over to the UK as well. And um, it has to be um, sturdy, solid, easy to open and easy to pour. So a lot of, a lot of time and thought went into that packaging. Now, unfortunately, our packaging is not environmentally friendly at this point it, it can be recycled but there is no uh, environmentally friendly packaging option on the market at the moment for our type of product but as soon as it is available we'll definitely be looking into to switching over to that as an option well although the packaging isn't environmentally healthy there's lots of other things that you do in the business that are because you're very committed to having a sustainable policy in the company well that's right Sharon and if you think about it uh, we take what would be considered a waste product uh, that a lot of um, manufacturers would throw out so the bones uh, you know would be traditionally be thrown out well we turn that into a beautiful health beautiful healthy nutritious product and also all our fats that come from our broths and stocks are recycled and used for biofuel and we also um, recycle all of our cardboard and that actually goes to uh, be used in our garden um, towards um, weed suppressant and creating a nice compost in our garden. And then let's talk about awards because the products have won a number of awards. Yeah, so we, we were very lucky back in 2017 to win a Blossom Heron already. And since then we've gone on to win um, several uh, great taste awards as well and for two years in a row we've been uh, voted best in Ireland by the McKenna Guides as well and we are now up for two more Blossom Heron Awards um, this year coming up in October for the beef and the chicken so we're very very excited about that. Fantastic yes it's always great to get those accolades especially from people like the McKenna's who are recognised as top food writers in Ireland and obviously the Blossnaren is a fantastic accolade as well and it was a, a Chef's Choice Award that you got a few years ago for that so that means that the likes of um, Brian McDermott for, for example and Nevin Maguire and, and the various other different chefs really love your product. They do and I'm very very lucky that they do do love the product and they do um, give it a shout out every now and again and in fact Brian McDermott um, was instrumental in helping me develop the products when I first started the business many moons ago so um, you know I'm lucky that they do they do love the products and use them themselves in their own cooking. What is your plan for the business now what's your vision if we were to fast forward 5, 10, 15 years, where do you see the business? 
Well, um, we are on the cusp now of um, going into a major retailer, simply uh, part of the Simply Better range in Dunn stores. So that was a huge um, goal of mine is to get that over the line. And then from there, we would like to, you know, be um, get onto the shelves of, of other large retailers as well. I also have some other very innovative ideas for new products to add to the line. So I would like to have a nice large range of really healthy stocks, bone broths and gravies as well. I would like to be the first name that people think of when they think of stock and bone broth. I'd like them to immediately think Carol stock market. So that is my vision for the business over the next short to medium term. Well, congratulations on your success today at Carol. If people want to get their hands on Carol's stocks or to find out more information about you and the business, where's the best place for them to go to? Well, they should go to my website, which is carolsstockmarket.com. And we have all sorts of information there on our products and where the product is available around the country. And also we have an online business. So you can, no matter where you are in Ireland or the UK, you can order online and have it delivered right to your door. Brilliant. Listen, thanks so much for talking to me, Carol. Thank you very much, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, Carol Banahan shared the story of her business, Carol's Stock Market. And earlier on in the show, I was in Belfast talking to Johnny McDowell of Indie Food, who, along with business partner Laura Bradley, are this year's Blossnaren Producers Champion. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed that, you can catch the repeat of The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am and all the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now our final guests tonight are based in the beautiful Dingle Peninsula. Tom Leach and Mo McEwen set up Dingle Sea Salt together and I spoke to them before we came on air to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Mo and Tom, you're both very welcome to The Best Possible Taste. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me all the way down there in the fabulous Dingle Peninsula. And you're both blow-ins like myself. I'm a blow-in into into Newcastle West and you're both blow-ins into the Dingle Peninsula. And I'm going to start with you, Mo, and ask you, how did you end up down in that beautiful part of Kerry? Um, well, I moved down probably about eight years ago or so, um, so I'm the, the worst kind of blow-in, I'm afraid, from, from Dublin, but my uh, partner has a, a long connection with this part of the world, so we have been coming here for, for years and years, and it's somewhere we, we'd always loved, and hoped at some point we could uh, make a life down here, so uh, we've been in Australia for about five years. And then uh, had an opportunity to, to work remotely uh, long before it was the, the, the done thing. Um, so we, we jumped at the chance and uh, moved down here, uh, yeah, about eight years ago. Fantastic. And are you also from up the country, Tom? No, I'm not. I'm from the UK, I'm just north of London. But I um, met my partner out in New Zealand a number of years ago. And she's from, she's from the area. She's from, she's from Dunquin there, just west of Dingle. So um, we uh, we met out in New Zealand and uh, yeah faced with the prospect of uh, when we moved back whether whether to move to the UK North of London or, or move here it was a fairly uh, it was a fairly easy decision to make and we've been here ever since yeah and as blow ins is that how you got to know each other or did you know each other before you actually ended up down there. I actually met um, actually met Rory's wife in New Zealand. My, um, so my partner and Rory's wife are, are, have been good friends for for, for, for a long time since, since they were much younger. Um, so we, we met we met through them, um, but primarily we met through a yeah shared a, a shared love of surfing. Um, there isn't um, compared to, compared to in Australia and New Zealand, there's not a huge number of people that surf around here. Um, so it was nice to meet somebody else that. Uh, we could go out in the water with and that's 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 how we built our friendship 
And Mo, I'd say that people who love to surf are always trying to find some sort of a business that they can combine with that passion that they they have plenty of time to go surfing whenever the sun is shining. And you have a scientific background, I believe. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I'm a, a scientist by trade. So I would have uh, worked in, in different aspects of science, kind of food, pharmaceutical and, and even cosmetics uh, at one point. So, um, but I think, yeah, most of what we do is based around the uh, the weather forecast and when the swells are right and try and uh, carve out our, our business day according to when there might be a, an opportunity to uh, to go surfing. So certainly being, being located around some of the most stunning beaches, um, you know, I won't just say in Ireland or Europe, with the countries I've travelled, I think they um, there's very few beaches around the world that can hold a candle to, to some of them down where we are. So it's been fantastic, I guess, to yeah to have that freedom and that flexibility and to get to sort of work and relax in uh, in the same ocean. So it's yeah it's been a great part of the business. And Tom, was it through this shared interest of surfing that whenever you were out and about together that the inspiration came to start up the business Dingle Sea Salt? You know, it really was. We, um, we, yeah, we've drawn a lot of inspiration from 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 our local environment. But um, certainly, the initial ideas um, came came from surfing. We were out in the water, and uh, we were we were looking at, like you say, ways that we could um, ways that we could really harness um, the elements that we were so used to being amongst while surfing: the sun, the wind, and, and obviously the water. So. Yeah, that's that's definitely that was definitely inspiration for the um, the business um, at the start, and then it's just sort of followed through then with, with with everything that we've done with regards to the branding and the aesthetic of, of what we're looking to do. We've really tried to draw those elements in that we were that would say that we were familiar with uh, in order to um, yeah in order to showcase the area. And Mo, it was back in 2019 then that you started experimenting to actually create the product, and I think it's important to highlight the difference in the production of the Dingle sea salt compared to other sea salts? Well, look, Tom and I will both be environmentally conscious in our, our, our day-to-day living, so it was hugely important that we could carry that through to our business. So we were looking at different ways of producing sea salt in colder climates. So I had been on a, a trip over to, to France to visit family and been taking a look at how it's produced naturally, um, you know, in open lagoons, essentially, where they just have the, the sun and the wind evaporating the, the water off and leaving the salt behind. So that was a big part of the, the inspiration as well to see how we could try and, you know, mimic that in a colder setting, which obviously doesn't get the same climate as the, the west of France. And um, so we looked at a couple of different ways, you know, initially we were looking at sort of heating the water off, um, but we had seen, you know, firsthand, I guess, the amount of energy and power that it took, you know, particularly if we were looking at scaling up to try and do this at large volumes. So we really wanted to try and capture those elements that Tom had, had mentioned previously and to see, you know, how we could look at a novel way of producing it in Ireland. Um, and we, we took our inspiration I guess, largely from Tom's polytunnel too. Tom's a, a well-known organic uh, horticulturalist around the area. Uh, and we had seen, you know, the, the temperatures that you can get during even moderately sunny days um, was sort of the first line that, that, that we took in order to try and develop it. So that's where we began in, in 2019, very humbly, just with a, a baking tray and a litre of uh, seawater in Tom's polytunnel. And then we looked... Uh, you know, from season to season, how we could build on that is one of the biggest differences for us is we can only do it seasonally. So we, we're not in a position just to, to flick a switch and, and produce sea salt on demand. You know, we really have to rely on those elements and wait patiently for the right weather conditions to, to be able to evaporate the seawater naturally using just the sun and the wind. So it gives us a, a production window of about sort of March to October each year when there's enough strength in the sun. Uh, we obviously get plenty of wind here year round, so that's, that's not something that we have to wait patiently for at all. But um, it really just, yeah, it took us those two seasons to, to really perfect what we were doing. You know, everything is done naturally and, and Tom and I can really just try and encourage it where we can uh, to try and speed up the process as best as possible. So 
I think a lot of people would say that you'd great foresight. Nobody knew that this cost of energy crisis was coming and you're very well positioned not to be in a place to have to worry about that, Mo. I'd love to say it's strategic vision on our part, but I think not many people would have seen um, you know, world events developing the way they have. And look, for us, really, the driver was environmental. You know, we, we really wanted to look at a business that was you know, sustainable and to look at producing sea salt in a way that's as low impact as possible. Um, you know, there is a, an obvious um, you know, benefit to that at the moment in terms of energy costs and, and uncertainty with, with energy sources in the future. Um, and it is a balance, I guess, to you know, not be in a position to, to be able to produce sea salt when we want is the, the trade-off. But you know, I think it's it's very much you know in tune with with how Tom and I uh our our look on the world and, and how we want to sort of tread lightly and, and give people an alternative i guess to 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 sea salt in colder climates where you know there is a, a an option there for people who are environmentally conscious and and love great tasting products that there, there's a choice for them on the shelves as well does this mean that your supply of your product is limited it's limited in so far as it can only be done seasonally. Uh, we're, we're looking at innovative ways that we can produce or continue production through the winter periods, but for the time being, it is seasonal. And that does uh, introduce an element of it being limited. Um, now, the, the process that we use to evaporate the seawater can be um, you know, scaled up with, with relative ease. Um, but it does take that little bit of extra planning and, and stock management and, and us trying to really grow the business sustainably itself and, and not try to, to over commit to, to suppliers um, at this early stage of the business while we're sort of fine tuning our, our process and, and being able to do it at scale in a way that can ensure that we have year round stock for, for suppliers. Tom, as a horticulturist, you, you're well placed to talk about the challenges of the weather, the good weather and the bad weather. And that certainly has an impact on how quickly the product is available. Yeah, sure. It certainly does. I mean, like I say, there's certain things that we can do uh, that we do to, to, to affect the, the rate of evaporation. But ultimately, yeah, it, it, it's up to the weather. It's up to the climate around us. So, um we manage the temperature and the humidity um, in, in, in the best ways that we can, but um, yeah, it, it would be it'd be fairly used to working within the seasons, um, being you know being involved in horticulture. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it, it has very similar. Um, it has it has some similar aspects certainly. As Tom mentioned earlier, we'd be well used to being patient, uh, waiting for the elements with surfing. So it's uh, you know it's not a big leap for us to to do the same with our with our business. And I think what, what's been fascinating for us is that the, you know, as the seasons change, the, the crystallization process changes as well. So, you know, you can have different rates of crystal formation at, at different times of the year. So, you know, we really do find that every batch is unique and, and does reflect the, the time of the year that it's been made. The pandemic then came in 2020. You started to, to look at doing this product in 2019. The pandemic came in 2020. At what stage of the business were you at that point? Were you ready to launch or did the pandemic actually give you a bit more time to prepare and get the product ready for market? Yeah, I think um, at, at that time we were, we, 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 we were sort of heavily, heavily involved in the, in the trialling uh, of the process and, and trying to figure out what would work, what would work best for us. Um, but the, um, during the pandemic, it, it did give us um, both the opportunity to undertake some you know, branding courses and marketing courses through the local enterprise office and really avail of that and sort of look at different parts of the business that, that, that neither of us had any experience in previously. So there was actually there was a good bit of opportunity that, 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 that we managed to get out of that as well. Well, I have to say I'm very impressed with the branding, your social media, all of that being my area. Um, I, I just think it looks really great. It looks very high end. So who who was responsible for the packaging and the branding, the imagery, for example, Mo? Yeah, look, we've always had a, a strong focus on trying to keep things local um, as best as possible, you know, not just with our, our raw materials and, and any ingredients we'll use in the future. 
but also you know we're very aware of the the great pool of talent that there is on the Dingle Peninsula and in, in Kerry um, and we were able to take um, full advantage of that uh, which was brilliant um, you know in terms of both our branding um, Anchor Studio, who are based uh, in the kingdom over uh, just in Kenmare. Um, and we were also uh, able to engage a local um, photographer, uh, Breedney Lusig, uh, who was able to support all those you know, great images that we've been able to put out there. Um, and also our illustrator, Donal Abrick, uh, who is also from the, the parish, uh, so to speak, as Tom and I are in. So we had all of this fantastic talent really on our doorstep, which was, you know, important to us and, and hugely beneficial. And, you know, we really wanted to try and capture that different side of the peninsula, um, you know, the side that, you know, we would see throughout the winter and through the, the you know, the stormier days, um, you know, we, we both feel it's it's every bit as beautiful as some of the, the sunshine-soaked postcard pictures, you know, that are out there as well. So we really wanted to try and reflect that, uh, you know, in our imagery and just to give people a, a, a taste of, of how the peninsula can look on some of those uh, moodier, stormier days of which there are many. And you have a lovely video on your website as well that um, I'd encourage people to go and have a look at. And before you tell us the details for your website and your social media, you are a finalist in this year's Blossnair and the Irish Food Awards. How did it feel, Tom, whenever you got the news that you were in the top five in Ireland? Oh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, like like we said, we've worked really hard to sort of get to this stage and um, you never really know, you never really know how it's going to be, uh, how it's going to be received within sort of a wider audience. Obviously, the work that goes into it and it's great having family and friends and they, you know, they give you the encouragement um, when you need it, but um, ultimately sending it out there, letting the letting the judges um, come back with feedback and um, and give you out to get that recognition at the end of it. It, it. it just it helps it helps sort of solidify that we we're on the right path, we're doing the right thing, and um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's the hard work is starting to pay off. So yeah, absolutely fantastic to be in the, to be in the to be in the finalist there. I think something we've always tried to make sure is that people don't have to compromise on taste or quality to, to make a sustainable choice. So, you know, to get that independent uh, nod of approval from the, the judges table from a blind taste test was a, a, a great validation for us. And we were yeah, absolutely thrilled. Well, congratulations on reaching the finals. I look forward to, to hearing how you get on whenever the awards are announced for the gold, silver and bronze. And in the meantime, if people want to find out more about the product and where they can get it, where's the best place for them to go to? Our website can be found at uh, dingleseasalt.ie and we're also on Instagram at dingleseasaltco. Brilliant. Listen, lovely to talk to you, Mo and Tom, and continued success. Thank you so much, Sharon. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Sharon. Love to talk to you. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That brings us to the end of the programme this evening. Thanks a million to all of my guests, Johnny McDowell, Carol Banahan, Mo McKeown and Tom Leach. We wish all the finalists in this year's Blossnair and Irish Food Awards the very best of luck. And next week I'll be talking to more finalists. So until then, bon appétit. <laughs> Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!